Hi, I'm Julia. And I'm Sam. I'm a composer. And I'm an actor. And this is the 29-Hour Podcast. Julia and I both uh, spent a lot of time developing new uh, pieces of theater. We actually met um, developing one of Julia's musicals. And along the way, we've gotten to work with some incredibly talented, super smart artists. We always just want to pick their brains. So this podcast is our conversations with those people that we are excited to share with you. This week, we're talking to actress Ellen Condon Macy. Hope you enjoy. Ellen and I know each other from graduate musical theater writing days. We, when I was writing my thesis musical with Rob Shapiro, and you knew Rob from high school. I didn't actually know Rob. Rob and I grew up in the same area and so I knew of his high school and he was friends with my friend Melissa who went right. to high school with my husband <laughs> small world um yeah no and it was like you and Rob were looking for singers for a show called Shelter and um you asked or Rob asked Melissa and he was sort of like do you have any friends <laughs> that can sing and so yeah. she asked me and I was like sure I'll do it I d- didn't have anything going on and so I went and that was that was how we I met them. We fell in love immediately. It's Isn't that crazy? It's true. Like how these like chance encounters lead to like such satisfying artistic that was collaboration. A, that was a pretty big one. Um, and then this is like one of my favorite stories to tell is that within a few months of that, Julia and I became friends on MySpace. Oh boy. <laughs> and then uh, Julia posted a thing about needing a roommate on MySpace. <laughs> And I was uh, looking to move to the city. And so I was like, me, me, please. And and then we moved in with each other. Oh and my it was God. a fantasy because I definitely remember at least one or two times when it'd be like 11 p.m. <laughs> and I'd like finish a song and I could go like knock on Ellen's door and be like, hey, want to learn a song? Yeah. Those were good days. Those were wow. good days. Yeah. We had a like clunky free Craigslist piano in the living room. Mm-hmm. Wait, yeah. so... Where had you been living when you first worked together? Um, I was still living at home because gotcha. I grew up about 20 miles north of Manhattan. Right, okay, right. Like, total suburbia, but, like, close enough that I was like, well, I can, I have a car, I could stay with my parents, and just, I would just came into the city all the time for auditions and saved a lot of money. But then, yeah, it, it reached critical mass. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I've got to get out of yeah, here. Yeah, it's difficult to, like, come in for, like, a, a thesis reading, like, for, for that to be, like, the thing you're commuting for. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I yeah. think at the time I didn't mind because I was, oh, of course. I was young and yeah. I had, like, endless energy mm. for everything. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it was, like, it was perfect. And then where we lived in Woodside was actually, like, not that far a cry from my hometown in many ways. Like, it was, it's, like, this super Irish. Well, it's really diverse, but it was, like, this really Irish community and it all felt, like, very familiar. And so as far as, like, transitioning into living in the city, it it was very natural and it felt very like safe. Mm-hmm. Like whenever I hear about, you hear a lot of stories about people who move to New York from uh, far away or like very different environments and like, Oh God. And it feels like New York, like chews them up and spits yeah. them out. And I had like the exact opposite That's experience great. of that. Although well, was it your room or Anastasia's where you caught a small child actively <laughs> trying to break into your window? Oh. It was, it was the little room. <laughs> okay. Because that was the room I first lived in. Right. Which, by the way, the rent was like, uh, for that little room so when I moved in, I think it was like $460 yeah, a month. Yeah, that's right. 
Because I think I was paying 700 in the big room. Yeah, no, it was like I was sitting in bed and all of a sudden the window like started like, <laughs> like opening. I was like, what? What is happening? And uh, it was like a teenage boy just, I don't know what, I don't know what he was trying to oh do, but like God. he wasn't able to <laughs> go through with it. And like I saw him just walk away. And so I like casually mentioned it to <laughs> uh, my roommates. And they're like, we've got to get bars on the windows. <laughs> yeah. Were you so, on the first floor? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was a, it was a two family, two family house. Yeah, I think so. I feel like it was just the first floor and the second floor. I have this vivid memory from my childhood of a green hand reaching into like you know how doors have like the mail slot mm-hmm. yes i already hate the story a green <laughs> hand reaching into our mail slot and which like can't be real was it halloween well here's the thing is like i feel like it happened on like a saturday night and i was watching like snick mm-hmm. right which was like are you afraid of the dark yes. Or, like, something, one of those shows. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I think I must have just, like, dozed off and, like, dreamed it or something. But it is so vivid in my memory. Uh, wow. Just <laughs> a green hand? Like, was green. it... Green. Was it slimy or... No. No. I'm picturing the hand as animated. <laughs> like, real door animated hand. It's I'm, sort I'm of like that in my like vivid memory, too. Alphabet, alphabet hand. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> so speaking of being in Woodside and the Irish neighborhood in that time of our life, can we talk about the Rose of Tralee? We sure can, because it fascinates a lot of people, and <laughs> no one... I feel like it's hard to explain. Do, I'm sure you don't even know what it I is. I have no idea. Um, okay, so let's see. Timeline. So I moved in with Julia in July of 2007, and then the following summer, in August, I participated in this uh, event called the Rose of Tralee, which to your average person looks like a like a Miss America competition. There's like sashes and girls in pretty dresses and stuff. Really? It's basically, um, I think it's, this was the 60th year mm. of it. And it, so it started 60 years ago and it is, it's basically like a way to promote tourism to Ireland, like at its most basic. Gotcha. Um, but the gist is there's this famous like Irish ballad called The Rose of Tralee and it's about this girl named Mary and it's like how she embodies like all this loveliness but it's like more than just her face. It's about like her personality. She's really kind. She's really sweet. She's really whatever. And so they set up um, more and more over the years centers around the world um, where girls are they vie to be chosen to represent that area as like to represent the Irish community of that area and then they travel to Ireland and represent you know that area if they're chosen um and so I don't even remember I think my brother-in-law told me about it because he worked with somebody who was like we need girls to come out for the New York Rose do you know anybody who's Irish and wants to do it He's like, well, my sister-in-law is, you know, <laughs> meets those, bo- <laughs> checks those boxes. And this was, um, this was really soon after I had dealt with having thyroid cancer, which is like a whole other story. And so I was sort of like in a like, fuck it mindset. Uh-huh. Whereas like in the past, we were like, no, this is stupid. This is very weird. This is not my thing. Um, but like I was doing good and I was just like, sure, why not? I'll go. And so I think there were like... I don't know, maybe 10 girls that were, you know, competing for New York Rose. And then I ended up getting it. 
And so in August, I like went to Ireland on this like insane, insane trip, like festival where you're like almost a celebrity in Ireland <laughs> for like two weeks. And you, you drive have to have an escort everywhere. Yeah, right? so it's like you drive around in like a rose bus. You know, like this fancy bus, and like they have your like like it had it said New York on the window, like next wow. to my window, and you drive all over the country and like shake people's hands and like take pictures and sign autographs and do interviews. And wha- <laughs> like, what does it mean to those people? I mean, I think it's it's just supposed to be a celebration of Irish culture gotcha. and like Irish pride, and it's just like see like how. You know, it's like, how so I'm... pride is manifesting yes, overseas. Yes, and how, like, Irish culture has become a part of all these other places in the world. Okay. You know, so New York is kind of, like, it's one of the more, like, obvious yeah. choices. Um, so, yeah, then, so you finally get to Tralee, which is in, like, the southwest, and it's, it's crazy beautiful. It's, like, a postcard. Um, and they give you an escort, which is, like, a young man... <laughs> Wow. <laughs> walk around with you it's and like, like a ball. <laughs> yeah <laughs> and it's crazy and like he would like hold my purse and you know oh, if wow. I needed a snack like <laughs> he would get me one and it, I mean just ridiculous and then it culminates with this two night live televised event on TV where like they interview <laughs> I, I wish Sam's face was <laughs> <laughs> they interview um, all the girls for like I don't know five to eight minutes and um, they just, like, ask you about yourself and, like, what you do. And just, like, you're just supposed to give people an idea of who you are. And then um, if you want to perform something, you can. And so I sang. It was, it was wild. It was really, like, I think it was the craziest thing I've ever done. Yeah. Yeah. I, I <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, like, since, since we're on this podcast, the question I want to ask is, <laughs> like, is this something that felt like part of your career adjacent to your career completely separate from your career i would say adjacent Uh i'm glad that you use that word because (laughs) i never would have come up with it by myself (laughs) i would say adjacent yeah because you know a big part of it at the time was like hello i'm an actress Uh i do musical theater and i live in new york um but i feel like the that was just like a very small focus yeah of the story and it was really more just like my grandparents were from these towns and I grew up in this Irish town and um, here's how it's influenced me although I guess I didn't really talk about that specifically Um, and I felt like it it drew on a lot of my social skills in a way that I hadn't experienced before Um, and when I, I would come home and I would tell people about it and it, like I said, it, it doesn't really fit neatly into right. any sort of, like, category. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Adjacent. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> What's interesting to me is, like, when I think about it, I've seen, like, the YouTube video of Ellen performing this song at the Rose of Trilly. From Yeston's Phantom. <laughs> and Ooh. so this is the thing. Like, I think of, like, the time when I first met you and, like, at, like, that huge televised performance as this very sort of, like, I just keep thinking of, like, the word perfection in a way. Like, this very sort of, like, ingenue, like, you know, sort of, like, your classic, like, perfect leading lady in this sort of, like, you know, older show. Yeah. And I d- I'm always curious about, like, 
that which I feel like when I met you felt like so much of like your niche yeah and all the new work stuff I've seen you do that feels like <laughs> totally on the other end of the spectrum right well I feel like you're entirely responsible for that <laughs> so uh yeah no it's weird I mean the ingenue thing was like my bread and butter I mean it was like every EPA I would go to would be like Oklahoma and Phantom and you know the music man and whatever um and I still think that that is what I probably do best, hmm. I think. It's been a really long time since I've done something like that. Um, that was just always how I saw myself. That was always how I was typecast. I think mainly just because of how I look and how I sound. Um, but then when I started working with Julia, and she would ask me to do these things with my voice that I was just like I am not sure that I'm the choice the right choice for this to do, be doing this um but like now it's been like over 10 years of that and I feel so much more confident yeah because I mean your voice can do anything I feel like but I feel like it, it this it's like it was like a muscle or, hmm. or something that I had to stretch and like I I was not capable of doing everything at first Maybe I was, and I'm just being down on myself. But like, I really think well, that. Well, but capability has a lot to do with mental capability too. Yeah. I've definitely butted up against that wall <laughs> many yeah. times. Yeah, I feel like there's a lot. There was just a lot more that I was capable of than I than I realized, and I just didn't have the opportunity to do it. But I mean, doing your stuff is just. And we've been, we've been friends for a long time, so I think yeah. you know that I like. There's no point in me blowing smoke up your ass at this point. Like, doing Julia's stuff is so challenging slash rewarding in a way that like nothing else is. Yeah. I really mean I that. Agree. Like, it's well, and it's funny too because you know, um, whenever we're doing a reading, because Ali Bo and I always mm -hmm. end up, you know, sitting next to each other, and w she and I usually have been doing the thing, whatever the thing is, like since the beginning. Mm -hmm. And whenever like a new person will come in and we're sitting in rehearsal <laughs> and they're like, oh God, uh, like what yeah. is this? Actually, wait, this is the thing I've always wanted to ask you about on the podcast <laughs> and I've never gotten a chance. Is like, I've been in so many rehearsal rooms when people are learning your music and they say <laughs> like, oh boy, wow, this is, exactly like how, like, how does that make you feel? <laughs> I mean, the first thing it makes me feel is, like, you know, sort of bad and, like, I don't want to be inconveniencing them. And, you know, like, it seems like it would be better if it was easier. But then there's, like, a part of me that's, like, like, you know, like, just you wait. Like, I feel like at this point I have faith that by the end of the rehearsal process they're going to have it totally fine and then it's going to be easier for them going yeah. forward. Uh -huh. I don't think you should feel bad. I think that we should feel, like, more accomplished when we when we do finally get it because when it clicks yeah it's so satisfying i do like yeah. the idea that like when people rise to the occasion of like doing a thing that's hard really well like oh look we all did a really hard thing and that's yeah. really cool yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> plus like you know usually your material is very like emotionally challenging and yeah. so the two of those things together it's like a double whammy it's true <laughs> <laughs> that's actually another thing i wanted to ask you about I think of you as, like, a performer who brings a lot of emotion to your performances. Is that because I cry all the time? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we give you all the tearjerkers. <laughs> but I, I'm curious what, like, I've never asked you about, like, your process for, like, how you think about bringing that level of emotion yeah. to a performance, it seems. 
Um, maybe I've thought about this a lot as well in that, like, is this healthy? Is the mm. way I do it healthy? Because I think that I just always try to find some sort of deep personal connection because that's the only way that I can make it real every time. Yeah. Um, the problem with that is that you can't, it's impossible to do that every single time. And so like, ultimately there'll be a time when I can't do that. And then I leave and I'm like, well, that performance sucked. Huh. Um, but yeah, no, I, I would usually just try to find something within myself and within my life that will get me to the right place. And it's so much easier now that I have kids. Hmm. Like it's, you know, doing elevator heart after like literally 10 years of, from doing like a stage performance, it was really, really nice to walk into the room and be like, this is so much easier now. Like tapping into it required so much less thinking and so much less huh. work just because I had, you know, a, a much bigger emotional uh, experiences to pull from. That is interesting. Yeah. Do you think, is there something about being a mom that like changes the whole like emotional lens with which you interact with the world? Absolutely. Yeah. It changes everything. Um, I think that it makes your, it makes your world so much smaller and so much bigger at the same time. Um, because you, it makes you think about, I mean, not to get like super heavy right away, but like it makes you think about mortality in a way that you never did before. Um, and it makes you think about the world in a way you never did before. Like everything seems mo so much more important. Um, and can you, wait, can you give me an example of what you mean? So sure. Um, <laughs> when <No>. I, <laughs> thank you. Good night. It's like, okay, maybe this is like the, the most simple example, but like climate change. Uh -huh. Okay. Oh yeah. 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 It okay. used to be something where I was like, gee, that sucks. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And now I am like, well, my kids are fucked right. if, if we don't do something about this. Right. And, like, I genuinely worry for their quality of life in the future. And, you know, I have three girls. And so that has been consistently terrifying. Um, it makes you care about things more. It, it makes you – it makes it impossible for you to be as selfish as you were before. Yeah. If that makes sense. This is sort yeah. of a weird tangent, but I was just talking with a friend about how many generations out we can actively care for and him being like, like an interstellar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, did you see that? Oh, yeah. I did. I like that movie. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, just me being like, maybe because I don't yet have kids, or who knows why. But like, it's hard for me to like really feel viscerally invested in what's happening ten generations down the line. And he was really advocating for like, you sort of have to to say you c if you care about anyone at all, you have to care that far down. Oh wow. But it's hard. Yeah, like, it's like, hard. I think that's the thing about like when not just you, but everyone I know who has kids says similar things. And I think it's because when they're present like that, it's so much easier to to think about things like that. Yeah. You know? And oh, when yeah. When you're just imagining things, it's it's very easy to let it go, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But I mean I 
you know, I still would have a hard time imagining their children. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like it, 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 can only go, it can only go so far, <laughs> you know, and I, I do sort of have a problem when people make you feel super guilty mm. about that sort of thing. Like you don't care enough, mm. you know, and that's sort of what I meant about like the world getting smaller is that you really have to pick your battles mm. because then you could get so emotionally invested in so many things and that isn't really helping anybody. It's like it's it's better right. to it's better to it's focus. Jack of all trades, master of none. Yeah, yeah, it's better to focus on things that you can actually control, or like things that you feel like you can actually contribute to, yeah. and you can't you can't do it all. Yeah. And I don't want to be made to feel bad because I can't do it all. Because <laughs> <laughs> no one can do no one can do it. All. No, but I, I do s feel like sometimes there's an attitude that absolutely you know you can't. It's like competitive grieving or competitive. <laughs> Uh, you know, whatever. Yeah. Competitive activism. Yeah. Yeah. Sam, so I'm curious sort of to turn the same question to you about like bringing emotional response to material and like oh. what your <laughs> tactics are. Oh, what my tactics are. Interesting. Well, it's, it's interesting that you asked that because I just did a show that was like very, had a very specific style. Yes. That was um, like, um, um, heightened in a way that made sort of like real emotions um uh i don't know how to put this like like obviously we were all playing real people but it the script didn't necessarily um allow for like a um a naturalistic emotional um through line mm -hmm. <laughs> so um I was contending a lot with that and like when were there moments when I wanted to sort of lean more into like a person behaving like like me a, nor a normal person having a normal response versus like this sort of like heightened stylized um, um, behavior yeah um, and I didn't come to any satisfying conclusions. <laughs> I just sort of had to navigate it as I went. And also as, um, as different scenes came together and I saw what the other actors mm. were bringing and what sort of range their style was living in for that scene. Because that was the other thing was like, sometimes it fluctuated pretty heavily in this show. Um, it's a, uh, um, yeah, I didn't, I didn't have any sort of like map. I just had to sort of like, um, feel it out as I went along with everyone else and along with all of the feedback I was getting from the director as well. That's helpful. I'm sure to have a director sort of seeing yeah. it all from the outside. Yeah. What would you, so I'm assuming that's different, a process than you would normally do. Like what, how would you approach yeah, like I a mean, more like, straightforward, right. like traditional? <laughs> yes. Thank you, thank you for bringing me back to answering the question. <laughs> So like, I want to know. So Jeez. like, um, I, I don't know. I guess I tend to play um, characters that are very similar to me. And so it it's similar to what you were saying, but it like, I, I don't necessarily think as consciously about it because when the character is very close to me, I don't have to like take the time to think about what aspect of my life uh -huh, I'm using, sure. you know? Yeah. Um, but I guess what I guess what I'll say is that like 
primarily the thing I'm tending to focus on in this vein is just like re reacting. Like I, I'm less conscious of like um, what emotions I'm tapping into and more conscious of um, listening to what's going on and reacting honestly, um, given the given circumstances of the character, um, which hopefully <laughs> I feel comfortable with. <laughs> that's awesome. I feel like, you know, if there were any acting teachers listening to this, they'd be like, yes, that's exactly <laughs> it. You got it. <laughs> Send it to my professor. Um, yeah, I mean, I think um, I think that kind of, like, if I, if I think too hard about um, my emotions, I get in my own way. Mm -hmm. um, I, uh, that hasn't been particularly useful for me. Um, but, but again, like in this process of this show, watching how everyone else was approaching it, it was really cool to see everyone's, like there was a nine person show and everyone had their own style and their own technique and their own way of getting to where they needed to go. And um, it's really cool to, to witness that and, and realize like, oh, there's no like right way to go about um, creating this character. That is cool. Yeah. Going back to what you were saying about sort of doing it in a healthy way. Mm -hmm. since, since you have <laughs> now been like, you know, doing this for a while, are there other sort of things you've learned and taken with you about doing things in a healthy way and like your process? Yeah, I mean, I I can't tell you that I've totally figured it out yet. Because I also don't, the truth is that I just like don't have that many opportunities to perform as I used to. And that's my choice. Um, I think that if I could find a way to access access the emotion, sort of like turn on or like switch whatever I need to switch on, but then just leave whatever brought it there behind and then move forward with the emotion. I really hope that makes sense. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Um, I think that would be a good, a good place to aspire to. Um, you know, so obviously I can't stop thinking about Elevator Heart because that was like really, really raw. And something that I found really interesting about that show doing it over and over again which again you saw it it was really a lot oh yeah um was that i sort of found that the more we did it the things that i was accessing started changing mm. you know like like i said i cry all the time i am not gonna <laughs> cry on this podcast <laughs> i easily could <laughs> because that's just who i am but um when we did the first reading of the show and uh, we were learning Letter to Bidya, I remember and I, like, I lost it because I was thinking about my daughter. And, you know, my daughter is the same age as the girl in the song. And my daughter is like really, my daughter, my oldest daughter is just this incredibly pure, enthusiastic, uh, sweet soul who is the kind of person that when someone is mean to her, it's almost like, does not compute yeah you know which is it's just so hard to watch mm -hmm. unfortunately that hasn't happened too much because she's still very small but um i just couldn't get that image out of my head of her but then as we did the show more i started thinking about myself mm. as a child and 
you know, the the lines at the end of the song where she's she's encouraging Bidya and she's just like, grow up good and honest, grow up kind and true, just be yourself. And I was just sort of like, fuck, like if I could have had an adult that told me that when I was a kid, I think that my life would have been very, very different. Hmm. Um, and so then that was, that was a whole thing and that was so much worse. <laughs> um, you know, and so it's, in a way it was almost like going through therapy, like, you know, revisiting the same things over and over again and then finding new things each time. And I did find that after like the initial discoveries, it was easier for me to go to the place I needed to go without like completely losing it. Um, but it's something that I would need to revisit again, that process. Mm. And I mean, you know, again, sometimes it's, sometimes it's a lot easier than others. I mean, I feel like that show access some like <laughs> really deep <laughs> like trauma and yeah. you know whatever um but you know doing a more traditional ingenue role it's it's a lot easier i i feel you don't have to go as far mm -hmm. necessarily but um that's interesting i guess i agree with that and that is i guess just how the material is constructed right i mean like the music man is just not sort of like leaving those windows do you think that's true i feel like the music man might not be the best example because i i feel like there is so much potential in that show for some really deep stuff I'm trying to remember <laughs> i always think the music man is like that show that west side story shouldn't have lost to but oh my did God. <laughs> well see I, I think about that a lot actually and i feel really conflicted about it because they're both they're so different and they're both perfect <laughs> um the Music Man is weird for me because it has all these like weird ties to my family. Like it was the first musical that I ever had completely memorized, like from start to finish, because it was my grandmother's favorite show. She grew up in Iowa. Her grandmother taught piano and violin. She was in the DAR. <laughs> like that was her life experience. Like growing up was that like Midwest Americana, and then my mother sang barbershop semi-professionally and so she was obsessed with the show and it just like got a lot of play in my house and so I was just like this is it this is my role and um I feel like Marion is this character that can bring a lot more to the table than say like Lori in Oklahoma and mm -hmm. I and I love both don't get me wrong and I've played both <laughs> um but like <laughs> I think it's. I just. I think it's interesting that you said that because as I was thinking about um, Julia's question about um, Music Man versus Elevator Heart, like I was thinking about this current production of Oklahoma mm -hmm. that's playing now, which I haven't seen. Which is for me like the the way to do a Golden Age show yeah. because mm. like they really do the, their the choice of the production is to really like mine that material yeah. in a very like emotionally present way. Oklahoma is heavy. Yeah. It can be really heavy, but the thing is, is that the but way it could also be staged in a very different way. Well, and it usually is. <laughs> exactly. And then it's like, they sort of, I mean, I remember, um, whatever it is in the first act where Lori is talking to Ann Eller and she's basically like, I'm worried that Judd might rape me. And yeah. she's sort of like, you're fine. And she's like, well, okay. <laughs> and then like the beat is literally like two seconds and then they move on and it's full of these clunky things like that. 
where I can imagine that this production doesn't just gloss over Correct. those. Correct. Yeah. yeah, which is good. Which and, like, was the so exciting to yeah. watch. Yeah. And like the scene where Curly goes to Judd and is like, you know, suggesting like, you know, you maybe should you should yourself. kill yourself. Right. <laughs> I like that scene a lot in this production. Yeah. It's, I think, you show, well, I, part of what I was wondering about your question is like, because Elevator Heart is clearly a show that is um, speaking to our times, like to, speaking direct, indirect um, conversation with the people who are watching it about their lives, right? And I don't, I don't know if that was true mm. when Music Man in Oklahoma were first presented, That's but it's mm-hmm. definitely not true anymore, mm-hmm, unless yeah. a radical director makes a radical choice. Well, it sounds know? like the new production of Music Man is not doing that. Which seems, is a bummer. So. <laughs> I have to say, like, Gordon's theory that Winthrop is actually Marion's son. Have you, did you see that he wrote that? I was no. like, that's the smartest thing I've ever seen. I love seen. that. I don't know if it's his original theory. If it is, kudos. Yeah. Um, I just love the... The Music Man is so great because um, I, I do feel like Marion is, like a, is a feminist character Mm -hmm. you know um it's implied like she may or may not be a virgin and she doesn't feel any shame about that whatever the answer is and um you know she's an educated person who is sort of mm, you know seeing through the bullshit of like the traditional roles in her town and the way that she's supposed to act and i like that both of the lead characters change throughout the course of the show and I feel like it's a it's a great union between the two of them it just like there's like an understanding between them because sometimes you know you watch a, a show or a rom-com or whatever and you're like okay great but you guys don't know each other at all like <laughs> the end <laughs> you know and um, I feel like through the course of the music man there's like this they come to this like really great understanding at the end of the show which is really special that's interesting that really bothers me too watching something that's supposed to be about any kind of relationship and getting to the end and feeling that they don't know each other and i'm just thinking about like how much of that is sort of on the writer to like put in words and exchanges that make you know that they know each other and how much of it is just like the chemistry that the actors bring i think those are all factors i think that a lot of people probably just don't care that much don't you think? I don't know. I think that <laughs> I'm I'm thinking of like Hallmark Christmas movies like mm. over and over. But it's just I think that or or like The Bachelor. You know, it's like people just want to see a happy ending at the end. They want to see the people get together. <laughs> but I don't yeah. know how much thought is actually given to like how long is this relationship yeah. actually going to last in the real world. And I also I mean like my experience especially with like more golden age older shows is like people want to come and they want to hear the song mm-hmm. you know like they're not they're like <laughs> it's not about like these two people like you know and their dynamic mm-hmm. like it's about like and and like what's interesting to me so i had never seen oklahoma before i saw this production oh, oh wow. god you're lucky um, and you ever saw the movie i never saw the movie oh wow i like knew a handful of the songs i didn't know what context they oh, were god, formed that's in crazy. and I I loved it so much, and I also felt like this the title song Oklahoma so was good. sort of well. Here's the thing: it's like <laughs> I feel like in this production, 
it sort of kind of just like happens and then we need to move on because mm-hmm. um because for whatever reason i didn't feel like there was any particular like dramatic necessity for or at least for it to go on so long but right doesn't it doesn't it happen like at the end well there's like a pre-version and then the very end and when it happened at the very end i was like on when board. is the pre-version i feel like i'm yeah, not remembering I feel like it was like right. it's like 15 minutes before then or, or maybe maybe they did it differently in this production okay. but there was sort of like the first time they sing oklahoma as like the song oklahoma right and then at the very end of the show there's like a reprieve okay um and <laughs> for me the, when it's the first time they did it it's just sort of like they're sort of at the um the lunchbox social or whatever oh, it's called mm-hmm. they're just like singing the song and oh, see i feel like that's different from the original show perhaps yeah anyway but <laughs> but um i was sort of like all right i'm ready to move on i do not <laughs> know what i need to get out of this moment right now and the audience went wild when the song huh. ended really? and i was like oh if these people know and love oklahoma and we're waiting for this big song uh, oklahoma yeah and I almost wondered if the director was like, well, we got to give them what they came for mm. and then we can get back to what I want to do. You know <laughs> what I mean? So like funny. Yeah. Um, or maybe I just completely missed what was really exciting about it. Mm. Um, but uh, that was my experience is that sometimes people are just there because there's been, there's been a lot of excitement about this production. There's also been a lot of um, people being like, like hashtag not my Oklahoma <gasps> or like, some, you know what I mean? Like that kind of thing. Stop it. Um, and I wonder if it's because, you know, they just wanted to see these like beautiful songs that they've known for a long time. And like, that wasn't what he wanted to give them. Yeah. But again, a lot of the songs again, like don't get me wrong. Like I love, I love the show. Um, funny, just quick tangent. I did it. Um, I think it was like, June of 2008 at uh, Atlanta Theater of the Stars mm-hmm. and um, our choreographer was this woman Jemzy Delap who was the original Dream Lori oh, on the tour wow. she was ancient <laughs> she was ancient she was like 90 and she was this like frail little thing and was like going through like you know she had been this like prima ballerina it was so insane um, and did we she did seem it happy? Was she like living her best life? Yeah, she was. She kind of like didn't give a fuck. Kay. Like she was cute, hmm. and I liked her a lot. Um, but I didn't interact with her too much because they did it the the really traditional way, where there's mm-hmm. like a dancers chorus and a singers chorus, mm. and like we didn't have to move at all, and the dancers didn't have to sing at all. <laughs> um, so yeah, it was great for me because I like just have to stand here and sing. <laughs> um, anyway, I totally lost my train of thought. Oh, what I was gonna say was. I feel like a lot of the songs in Oklahoma are sort of like hokey. Um, not in this production. No, I know <laughs> that's what I'm saying. It sounds like it sounds like this probably ruined you for all other productions mm. of Oklahoma forever. Well, the other thing that was interesting is having never seen it, <laughs> I watched the show imagining what a normal, mm. like a quote unquote normal production of Oklahoma looks like, oh, and being like, and being like, huh. I like this better. Yeah, totally. <laughs> to like the imaginary production in my head, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah, no, I mean, traditionally, it's, like, a lot of gingham and a lot of, yeah. like, I don't know. It, it can be, it can be really bad, I think. Yeah. Yeah. But that is an interesting thing about the text, that, like, that darkness and, you know, it, like, I don't, you know, yes, they changed the orchestration. Yes, the choreography is pretty different. 
the casting was pretty different. You know, the lighting and the tech and the spacing was pretty different. But like that, all of that was there. Yeah. You know, with our, you know, like we didn't change a note, we didn't change a word. Sure. Right. It was just, it was just about um, what their goal was in mounting this production. Yeah. Well, now you're making me sad that I'm probably not going to see it. My husband and I just had our wedding anniversary at the end of August, and my in-laws are the best in that they buy us theater tickets like at least once a year. And my mother-in-law was just like, you want to see a musical? What musical do you want to see? And like, I definitely was interested in Oklahoma, but I knew that my husband would be like, nope. Uh (laughs) So we're going to Dear Evan Hansen. Okay. Which will be Very different. Yeah, Yeah, very different. Um, But I would like to try and see it. Yeah. Yeah. I'll have to convince him to go. Yeah. He Tell him it's not his mom's all. Oklahoma. What's that? It's not his mom's <laughs> Oklahoma. Yeah. Tom doesn't, he doesn't know Oklahoma at all. Like, I'm not sure he could name any of the songs, except mm-hmm. for maybe the title song. Uh-huh. If he knows that it exists. <laughs> <laughs> so other things that I feel like we talk about a lot on this podcast and would be remiss not to talk about with you yes. is social media presence. Oh, you okay. have, I feel like, a really well-defined... Really? Yeah, like social oh. media presence with a real personality and a real like confidence. <laughs> yeah, that is, that is so nice to hear. Because I never really know, honestly. Interesting. Um, yeah, I sort of... Oh, social media. <laughs> I mean, um, I'm getting to a point where I feel like I want to delete Facebook. But the only reason I don't is because it's the only way I can stay in touch with certain people and I would feel really sad if I didn't have that anymore Um, Facebook is the worst Um, I love Instagram and I this is going to sound cheesy and maybe other people have said it before but I definitely got to a point where I started feeling like so artistically frustrated being at home with the kids and not being able to do anything that I was just sort of like well what if I just used Instagram as a platform for me to like do some stupid shit and just like sing sometimes and like be the weirdo that I usually am. (laughs) Um, And so I sort of started doing that. Um, You know, sometimes I'm more consistent than others because I still, even with Instagram, I get on these kicks where I'm just like, this is stupid and I don't want to have my phone out all the time. Um, but yeah, no, like I downloaded a like a singing app, uh-huh. you know, like a karaoke app, uh-huh. essentially. And I was just like, I'm just going to record these videos. And then like, you know, I'll post them and it's it's kind of fun. Yeah. And um, it's certainly better than not singing. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> but my question is like, do, do you have to post your singing on social media for it to count as singing? You know what I mean? Like. I feel like we're in an age where, like, that's almost true. You know what I mean? Like, it's uh, sad. Yeah. Um, I guess. Or like, or like, would you not? Would you not be doing it if you if it weren't like for this? Like, oh well, I can post it on Instagram. You know what I mean? Like, I definitely think that there is an element of like having it be seen. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that, and that's just because I miss the medium of performing on yeah. stage so badly that that is just like the best substitute that I can come up with. And it, there is an element of like being seen doing something, yeah. which hopefully doesn't sound like super egotistical because that's not what it is at all. Um, I mean, obviously there's some ego involved, but, um, 
But it's almost like the opposite of egotistical, that like this gesture isn't complete if it's one-sided. Yes. Um, I've always just been really drawn to the aspect of theater that is very much like a communal experience and how uh, you could do the same exact performance every night, but depending on who is watching it, even if they're not saying anything, even if they're not moving, it's it could be totally different yeah. based on that energy. And yeah. so uh, I'm definitely missing that, and I'm trying to recreate it in some way. I love that. Um, but, like, I, I definitely struggle with being like is this really really stupid is there any point in me doing this like is this just the most like <laughs> masturbatory thing I could be doing with my time <laughs> um and I think that I know that it's not like at its yeah, core but absolutely. I still I still can't help but feel that I way. think I, I definitely like struggle with the same thoughts and I think I have to tell myself like I'm trying to like read the mind of the people who are watching it, mm -hmm. you know, yes. and I, and yes. there's no point in doing that because I'm never going to know what they actually think about. Right. And so it's just like how I want to use the platform that I have. Yeah. At whatever, at whatever scale that platform may be. I really enjoy your social media. Oh God. Too. Yeah. No, oh, I feel like goodness. it's like really quality entertainment. Well, that's good. <laughs> yeah. I feel like. I also want to delete my Facebook every day. <laughs> hardly ever use it anymore i bought a book last week called 10 arguments for deleting all of your social media accounts and i'm really excited wow. to read it <laughs> oh god <laughs> Ten. Oh. i'll yeah. be curious yeah please summarize once you've read well the summaries are all on the back cover of the book i'll uh i'll share them with you later nice. um i i that i have a real i'm not gonna do that i have a real hmm. fear around that well just because like i you know, I joke with people that I'm like, I don't get out of the house, so see you never. But like, it's really, it's really true. Like, it's just the where I am in my life right now. It's like I make myself available, like for stuff like this. If people are like, come and sing, come and talk, or whatever. But as far as seeking those things out for myself, like I just don't do it. And I, uh, I have this real fear that if my social media were gone, like I would just sort of like disappear. You know. I do know what you yeah. mean. Yeah. And I also, like, I've been so into astrology the last few years. I'm, like, getting really into it. And something that I have learned about myself is that I definitely have this, and this is hard to admit, but I definitely have this really strong feeling that, like, the worst thing that could ever happen to me would be, like, if no one cared about me at all. I relate to that. You know? Yeah. like um, Like, I want to feel like people care about me uh -huh. and if I don't if I take away social media if I take away like that's really like my only presence in so many people's lives then like am I like erasing myself like from the conversation Interesting. <laughs> but what like um, so okay how do I ask this question <laughs> when you say the conversation like what is what is that conversation you know what I mean I mean, I don't know if I mean anything specifically. I mean just that, like, that I exist. That, yeah. like, I might be referenced by someone or... Um, oh you're, not, you're not talking, like, specifically about, like, our industry. You're talking about just, like, people in general. I'm just talking about people in general. Yeah. Although I, it's, it's easier to 
focus on the industry aspect of it. Uh-huh. You know, um, because that, that's been like a whole thing for me. I like my relationship with the quote unquote industry yeah. and how it's changed and how I feel about it. And, uh, you know, I really ricochet back and forth between just being like, it is what it is. And then I have these days where I feel this like crippling sadness about not doing it more, you know? <laughs> and it's also hard because you know the the life that I am in is like very much a life that I have chosen for myself mm-hmm. like and I've chosen it hard over and over and over again and like I've even articulated this online that like the bigger dream for me was definitely like having a family mm-hmm. um, because there's no way in hell I would give up any of that for a chance to be on Broadway or something like that. Um, anything that I feel like would be this major accomplishment. I think that I've had to change the way I view like what is an accomplishment mm-hmm. in theater. Yeah. Um, you know, t- going back to the social media thing, I, I had this like really amazing piece of validation from a friend of mine um, that I think could apply to everyone. I saw, I saw him. It was this person I went to college with, and I hadn't seen him in a really long time. And we were at a reunion in the city, and he was just sort of like, hey, I've really been enjoying like your singing videos that you've been posting. And I'm sure like I said something self-deprecating, and I shit all over it. And um, you know, he was just sort of like, you know, you need to know that you know, the, the quality of what you're doing now, he's like, that has the potential to have the same effect on people as art as if you were doing it on stage. He's just like, why does it have to be any different? He was like, I feel the same way watching you on Instagram as I used to feel watching you at school. And I was just like, well, fuck, that's great. Yeah. Um, and I think that that is totally true and it's almost impossible to think of yourself that way. Oh, sure. You know, yeah. because <laughs> I, I could watch any of your stuff I can watch like any of my friends stuff online and be like this is so great I'm loving every second of it but like I can't extend that to myself for one second mm. and I'm just like this is just garbage <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> not garbage but but it's so great that like despite that like sort of like self-doubt that you still put it out there yeah I guess That's I awesome. mean for a while, I was really ambitious. I was like, I'm going to play the piano and I'm going to sing I at the love same those time. Videos. I know. And I, I still remember <laughs> that video of you. It's a falsetto song. It made you holding to the ground. Oh, my God. And you're God. playing the piano and singing. That's really, really old. And cut. I was very drunk when I made that. <laughs> <video>. <laughs> um, which is probably the only reason why it happened in the first place. Um, but. Uh, I stopped doing that because uh, my piano is now so hopelessly out of tune (laughs) and I don't really want to pay to have it fixed. And my kids are little monsters and they've destroyed the music stand. And so I was just like, okay, well, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to take the pressure off and I'll just Mm do, you know, karaoke. And I will admit, like, I have, I have so many songs on there that I've recorded and I just haven't posted because I'm like, because I don't think they're good enough. I, I'm not a perfectionist. Mm -hmm. But I'm very hard on myself. And in a way, I actually do think that that's a characteristic of the artist I tend to love the most, is that sense of not quite perfectionism, but just like a high standard. Because <laughs> <laughs> I feel sure. like, I don't know. I mean, not that I think anyone should be like censoring or holding back. And I think that like 
probably with all the stuff that you're not haven't posted is amazing. But there is something about someone who looks into them, you know, looks into themselves and what they're doing, and just sees the high bar, and goes over it. That I don't know that yeah. I respect a lot. I mean, it's I've I've always been the kind of person where I know that perfection isn't possible, and so like I'm not going to waste my time trying to achieve that. But then maybe I'll get kind of close yeah. and I'll feel really good about something and I'll be able to be like, that went about as well as yeah. it could have gone and that's great. Yeah. Um, but, you know, that, that doesn't happen all the time either. So. <laughs> <laughs> but that, that sense of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? That, like, that striving for, like, that is for you and not for others, right? Yes. Yeah, that's, sounds healthy and wonderful because <laughs> sometimes I feel like I'm like striving for that because I'm like well I want other people to think I'm good as opposed to like I want to do good work oh sure you know I mean I do want people to think that I'm good um but I find that it's really more important for me to think it yeah because then you are then yeah. usually you are you know it's like yeah. I think I'd like to think that more people than not have a pretty good understanding of like what their strengths and weaknesses are and like where their true talents lie and it's a good idea to just think about that i used to spend a lot of time comparing myself to other oh, people sure, a sure, lot yeah. of time and yeah. i i still do it not in terms of ability but in terms of like presence i think mm-hmm. um and I tell myself this over and over and over again, but, you know, it's like nobody cares about you as much as you do. They're all, I think right. that they're all just thinking <laughs> about themselves. Right. <laughs> um, Wait, when you say presence, what do you mean? I mean, I mean, like, magic. Oh, oh, oh sure, sure, sure. You okay, know, yeah. like, huh. when you're... Like, like um, X Factor, yes. charisma yes. kind of stuff. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. It's like, um, I will be around you know I mean again thanks to Julia pretty much and Gordon like I have become part of this circle of just like ridiculously talented people and I feel constantly like I shouldn't be there that is so nice you are like the tentpole of that I really this is and this is embarrassing to admit but like there have been so many times that like it's like you always ask me to do your stuff and I have originated stuff and like so many things that you've done and you've been like I wrote this song for you mm-hmm. Ellen and still I'll be like I probably wasn't their first choice for this <laughs> oh I've been there I've been there and I think it like it's almost so every time I'm just like there's no way they wanted somebody else but they got me so it's fine. <laughs> I wrote this song for you and now I really want some random other person to sing it like your name is on the sheet music I know I know <laughs> but um it's just like you know I'll use I'll use Ali Bo as an example mm-hmm. because she's you know, I think we can all agree she's one of the most magical people like any of Truly. us have ever met. And I look at her and I and I know her so well and I know her performance style so mm-hmm. well now and I just like to bask in it. And there's never a time when I'm just sort of like, oh, she's doing that with her shoulders and she, you know, <laughs> uh, oh, her breathing was weird there or whatever. With all the things that I am constantly thinking about about, about myself, yourself. you know. Mm-hmm. And I remember like, um our duet from Mag 7, which we love so much, when we did it at 54 Below, and then we saw the video later, I was watching the video, and I'm watching Allie, and I'm watching myself, and I'm just like, God damn it, like, 
I'm so stiff. Why am I doing that? Like, why aren't I expressive like she is? She's using her hands. She's moving her body so easily. And I told her that. And she was just like, see, I watched that video. And I was just like, why can't I stand fucking still like Ellen does? <laughs> this is such a funny meta commentary about that song, too. Which is I know, like I know. Watching oh, that's funny. Yeah. I can't be like that person. <laughs> oh, my God. That is so funny. But it's absolutely true that we reserve our, like, our most nitpicky criticisms for ourselves, yeah. which we would never say about anyone else or never even never, notice about anyone else. Never, yeah. never in a million years. And yeah. like, you know, I have gotten really into like goal setting at the beginning of the year and no joke. My number one goal for this year was like to don't tease me, please. <laughs> my number one goal was to connect with my own personal magic hell yeah i love that <laughs> and it's and it's totally that and i i really i mean the year's almost over and i'm not sure how well i've done Wait, um, did you set metrics no you <laughs> know i'm not sure how i would measure that but just like uh trying to see myself the way that other people see me when i perform because i yeah. know that there are people who feel that when they watch me um and it's just a matter of believing in it yeah. I've been having this weird, like, existential thing lately. I think this might touch on the same thing of, like, I've always sort of, like, just default believed because it makes me feel good that, like, there is, like, quote-unquote, something special about what I do. It feels special to me. And I sometimes, like, every once in a while when I look at someone else's work, of like, piece of writing that to me doesn't feel special, and I'll have a moment of, like, oh, you know, like, they haven't reached the specialness that, like, I think is true <laughs> about me. And then realizing how absurd that is. <laughs> and it makes me think, like, logically, I can't... This specialness that I think applies to me is just in my head the same way it's in their head, the same it's in everyone's head. And I find it depressing. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I hear what you're saying. And I think that on some level what you're saying is true, but just because art is so objective. Yeah. But subjective. So subjective. Subjective. Yeah. <laughs> um, no. um, but uh, I do think you're right that everyone I mean I think that in order to exist in this business you have to think that there's something yeah. special about you yeah. well it's sort of like I think you were saying something about this about being in I forget who was talking but someone Brian being Cranston yes what about yeah. him he was saying he was speaking <laughs> he was speaking to a group of um, like acting students and he was saying like how many of you believe that you're talented like raise your hands mm -hmm. and he and then he was like if you didn't raise your hand, you uh, you have no business being in this business. Like, right. if if you don't even believe that you're talented, wh why would you be pursuing this career? Right. Um, which for me was like really interesting to hear, because uh, uh, partially because in a world where like we're taught to be humble, mm -hmm. yeah, like sometimes it's hard. Like even if you believe it, it's hard to say it. But it's important to say it, and it's important to to like to own it, yeah. you know? Cause I, well, I think for me, what happened is like, if I don't feel like I'm allowed to say it, I didn't feel like I was allowed to own it. Even if sure. I did think it, mm -hmm. you know? And hearing that really helps me like own that belief that I yeah. have something to offer. But it is a really, it's such a hard, I feel like it's an impossible tightrope to yeah, walk. Absolutely. Because if you do it too much, then people think you're full of yourself. Yeah. But if right. you don't do it, then they criticize you for not being confident enough. <laughs> right. And it just, it goes around and around. And, you but know, then I do often see the people who um, 
you would say about them that like they're being arrogant or whatever, like, you know, getting a leg up in the industry because they weren't afraid to tell people like, Hey, I can do that. Mm -hmm. Hey, I've got what you need. Yeah. You know, I kind of hate those people. (laughs) I'm not going to (laughs) lie. I also feel like I'm like not inclined to believe them. Like, I feel like there's almost no correlation between how confident you are and how good you are. I completely agree. I, I agree with that agree as with well. That. And I wonder how much I agree with that has to do with this thing we're told when we're little is like, don't brag, don't be arrogant. And like any positive thing I say about myself, I'm inclined to assume that people are going to think I'm bragging or being arrogant. Mm-hmm. Whereas like, so like for a long time, like on my like so like <laughs> Julia can attest that like I'm very good sight reader i can't attest <laughs> and um for the longest time i like had that on my resume like you know sight reading which i would say you know like probably like 50 percent of all actors have sight reading on really their, you think so well I, I mean like but what percentage of them are telling the truth yeah but, but yeah and, and what percentage yeah. are telling the truth and then what percentage of people have like excellent sight reader on mm, their resume which yeah. is like a thing i can put on my resume yeah um but i didn't want to i didn't want someone to read my special skills and think that i was bragging or being arrogant oh, which is like God, a, a place yeah. on my resume to list the <laughs> things right. that i'm good at right and i was unwilling to like seem like i was bragging sure is that what you're saying there's something wrong about that, you know? Yeah. yeah. Like, yes. so I, I think, re- I think that's why the Brian Cranston quote really <laughs> helped me. <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> that's all, Rob. 